Hello and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. So grateful to see one of my good friends, longtime colleagues, Pastor Daryl Mayfield is here. I missed him on Good Friday. Pastor, let us see where you are. Amen. Let's give God a hand for Pastor Daryl Mayfield. We work together a lot in the Mount Peace, and we're just so glad to see him enjoying the fruits of retirement. Amen. From John, the gospel according to John, beginning in chapter 11. The whole passage covers verses 1 through 45, but I'm going to just start reading at verse 35. John chapter 11, beginning with verse 35. When you have it, just say amen. Jesus wept. See how much he loved him, the people said. But some of them said, he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? Deeply moved once more, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone placed at the entrance. Take the stone away, Jesus ordered. Martha, the dead man's sister, answered, There will be a bad smell, Lord. He has been buried four days. Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? They took the stone away. Jesus looked up and said, I thank you, Father, that you listened to me. I know that you always listen to me. But I say this for the sake of the people here, so that they will believe that you sent me. After he had said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He came out, his hands and feet wrapped in grave clothes, his hands and feet wrapped in grave cloths, and with a cloth around his face, Untie him, Jesus told them, and let him go. Many of the people who had come to visit Mary saw what Jesus did, and they believed in him. Would you pray with me for a few minutes this morning on the subject, the hearing aid. The hearing aid. Let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've spent a lot of my life waiting. Why? Well, mostly it's because of my last name, Query. Any event where things are done according to the spelling of one's last name guarantees that I'm going to be among the last people to participate. There were times as a kid when I had started to feel that alphabetical order was a conspiracy to slow me down. By the time I got to college and joined Army ROTC, I became convinced that this conspiracy of making me wait was maybe something God had ordained because it seemed that in the army, everything was alphabetical. Maybe that's why I did not stay. Looking back, I now realize that I caused myself to miss some important opportunities for growth and promotion because of my impatience. In hindsight, I... I realized that the waiting made me listen much more attentively for my name. I now know that there is a deep biblical and theological connection between waiting and hearing. I had to learn that over many, many years of study and experience. People who learn how to wait also learn better how to hear. That actually is the entire message of this very lengthy text from 1 to 45 in John's Gospel. These 45 verses are a comedy of errors, Pastor Mayfield, when it comes to clear communication. All throughout the text, folks seem to be so preoccupied with what they are concerned about that they constantly miss what's being said about their issues right around them. Watch the text. A man named Lazarus who lived in Bethany became sick and then he died. And watch what is said in verse 3. Lord, uh, the word comes to him from this sister uh, who had poured perfume on his feet and wiped them with her hair. It was her brother who was sick, Lazarus. And the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, your dear friend is sick. When Jesus heard it, verse 4 says, he said, the final result of this sickness ain't going to be the death of Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha and Mary. Jesus said, this thing happened just to bring glory to God. And that's going to be the means that the Son of Man is going to receive glory. And so in his love for Martha and her sister and Lazarus, uh, he, he, when he received this news that Lazarus was sick, it ruffled some feathers, y'all, because he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. He'd already taken, it had already taken two days for the news to get to him. When he hears the news, he stays where he is for two more days. Then later on, the disciples wanted to go back, they wanted 
to go back with him, some of them, to that place, Bethany, where folk had wanted to stone him. The disciples thought Jesus had bumped his head. They said, they, said you, they, they tried to kill you there. You mean to tell me you want to go back? Jesus said, a day is 12 hours, isn't it? So those who walk in broad daylight don't stumble because they see the light of this world. But they walk, if they walk during the night, they stumble because they have no light. Jesus said this, and then he added this phrase. Watch it. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples said, wait a minute, Lord, if he sleep, he will get well. Jesus meant, verse 13, that Lazarus had died, but they thought he meant natural sleep. Jesus said, listen here, Lazarus is dead, but for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't with him so that you will believe. Let us go to him. Thomas then pipes up verse 16, called the twin. He said to his fellow disciples, let's all go along with the teacher so that we may die with him. By the way, this is the same dude who said, unless I see the nail prints, I ain't going to believe. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said, if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask him for. Verse 23, your brother will rise to life, Jesus told her. I know, I know, she replied, that he will rise to life on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. And the life. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. Do you believe this? Watch verse 27. Yes, Lord, she answered. I, I do believe that you are the Messiah. After this, Martha went back and called her sister Mary privately. The teacher is here, she told her. And he's asking for you. Mary arrived where Jesus was. As soon as she saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, she said, if you had been here, have we heard this before? My brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping and he saw how the people with her were weeping. His heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Where have you buried him? He asked them, come and see, Lord. They answered. Verse 35, where our text begins the shortest verse in the scriptures and the one we were taught to say at grace every meal when we were little kids. Jesus wept. Deeply moved, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone over the entrance. Take the stone away, Jesus ordered. Martha, the dead man's sister, answered, there will be a bad smell, Lord. He has been buried four days just got through with all this resurrection and life talk, just got through with saying all of the wise things he had said and what they heard was something different than Jesus had been saying. Everybody in this story seems to be out of touch with the reality of what's going on. Have you ever been there? One thing said, but they hear something totally different. That's why in this text, waiting is introduced as a sort of spiritual discipline. No one who has not learned how to wait, family, will ever be fully able to understand what God is doing in their lives. 
This narrative found only in John functions as a means of introducing to us the conspiracy by leaders to get rid of Jesus. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, in those it's the cleansing of the temple that sets the Jewish authorities off. But here in John, it's the raising of Lazarus that positions the death of Jesus in clear view and poisons the well for him. Verse 45 gives us the clue. Many of the people who had come to visit Mary saw what Jesus did and they believed in him. Listen, family, folk finally came around to believing in Jesus, but the characters in this story, including the disciples, kept on missing what Jesus was up to with Lazarus because they were hard of hearing. What every disciple of Jesus needs is to put on the hearing aid of waiting or at least fix the one you're wearing. Y'all, I love old movies. Y'all ever seen this movie with Whoopi Goldberg called Sister Act? Any of y'all ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. So, so I love this movie. I mean, not only because I grew up in Catholic schools and I have lots of memories about the nuns and these crack me up in this movie. But I, I love the scene where Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Sister Mary Clarence, is trying to get the now. Now Whoopi ain't no nun in the movie. For those of you who haven't seen it, I just wanted to get that straight for the church's sake. Yeah, she 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 was really, uh, <clears throat> shall we say? She was a fancy woman uh, who had gone undercover as a nun to keep uh, the authorities, uh, to keep the mob from killing her. And so the nuns, the sisters, they took her in as they took me in. I love this movie. She, she's trying to get, they had this choir, the nuns choir, and they, she was a musician, so they were trying to get, uh, she was trying to get the choir singing. The problem is, most of the nuns are quite elderly, and, and the group's pianist, Sister Alma, was wearing a hearing aid. Whoopi tries a few times to get the sisters to start singing these hilarious starts and stops, but, but, but Sister Alma's hearing aid just might not be working. So Whoopi stops her foot a few times, and she says, Alma! Check your battery. Can I say that to y'all right now? Family, check your battery. A lot of things in every life in this room that Jesus has come to restore. But I feel like, whoopee, some of us may need to check our batteries. Jesus is speaking. But, but because we're in such a hurry, hurry to be healed, hurry to be satisfied, hurry to be prosperous, hurry to be famous, hurry to be promoted, hurry to be single, hurry to be married. We're in such a hurry to have things work right. Come on, worship team at Mayfield. We're in such a hurry to fix things so they go right. We're in such a hurry, we so often just aren't hearing. 
It's clear from this text that a lot of the things we get upset about and that run us crazy, we were in that condition because we just aren't hearing what the Lord is saying. Jesus is always speaking. And here in John, the structure of this gospel is such that, that people frequently miss what's happening because there is this binary communication going on. There are some folk who see it and there are some folk who don't. There is this strange interplay in John between light and darkness. The folk who are in light get it and the folk who are in darkness miss it. So much happens in John that everybody just don't get. That's why this is sometimes called the book of signs, right? Because John, in John, there are not miracles, there are signs. A sign, a miracle is something that, that maybe everybody can see and never even miss. But a sign is something that God does on the QT, on the low low and that only those who are disposed to hear it will catch it. God I wish I had some help in here. Yeah 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 so, so it's understandable y'all because having to wait can be painful. Jesus gets here on Sugar Creek Road and he walks up speaking to our every prolonged process and painful predicament and I'm here to tell you that if we want to hear him we disciples have got to appreciate the discipline of waiting. Oh, I ain't trying to turn nobody off because I know we modern day Christians don't like to talk about waiting, but I'm here to talk not to some Christians. Y'all do know I'm over Christians. I'm here to talk today to some disciples. Uh, just for y'all who need station identifications, I, I, I'm not an atheist. I just don't like Christians who can talk Jesus one day and be hateful the next. I, I just don't like folk who claim Christianity and do stuff deliberately, deliberately to hurt folk all the time. I just... I just can't get with a person who calls it because a whole lot of damnable things are done in the name of Christianity when, and, and if you were a disciple, you wouldn't do half of the stuff you do. Are y'all with me yet? So, so, so and if you want to be a disciple, if you want to hear Jesus well, you've got to appreciate and cultivate the discipline of waiting. How can we do it? Well, the text says, first of all, in verse 5, listen to what it says. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Why is that a cue to the fact that what, what you want to do, what you can do, if you want to discipline yourself to wait and cultivate the, the, the gift, the spiritual formational gift of waiting, you've got to understand who you are. That's really what messed Mary and Martha up. One of the most difficult aspects of waiting causes disciples to fail at hearing the Lord. It's the pain that comes from feeling that God doesn't care. I know we don't like to talk like that because we are, we are dyed in the wool, Bible thumping, scripture quoting, psalm singing, foot patting. Baptists, we don't ever want to be caught saying God doesn't hear. But there are times in every life, you don't even have to nod your head or say amen. I know there are times in every life when you feel like God may not care. If you've ever suffered through something and then begged God for an answer or for relief, but the answer didn't come or did the relief ever come, it, it can feel like you've been abandoned by God. 
Because you find yourself, whether you admit it or not, waiting and feeling like I'm impatiently waiting, God, because I've been praying about this since I was a child. I've been praying about this for year after year, and you still ain't done it. I must be doing something wrong, or maybe you just ain't listening to me. When somebody you love is indifferent, y'all, listen here, the worst kind of pain in a relationship doesn't come from abuse. That's bad enough. But the worst kind of pain comes from indifference. When somebody you love is indifferent to your pain or indifferent to your suffering, it hurts even worse than abuse. You can go upside my head and the bruise will heal. But if you are indifferent to my heart, I'm liable to die with that pain. At least when somebody's abusing you, usually it's pretty clear they don't really love you. But, but even then, some of us placate and we make up this, uh, this rationalization. Well, he only beats me. She only abuses me because they love me. When somebody you've invested in Somebody you have sacrificed for, somebody you have confided in, seems not even to notice your pain. It can be a devastating thing. This was Martha's struggle when she ran out to meet the Lord in verse 20. When Martha heard, listen to the words, when Martha heard, somebody say she heard. Yeah, yeah. She heard that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Listen to this, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, Lord. In other words, you abandoned us. You didn't come when we needed you. If you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. You would have done something to stop what I thought God should have stopped before you came. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask him for. I'm willing to give you, Jesus, one more chance. Your brother... My brother would not have died, but, but now I know that if you ask God, God will do what you want him to do. Verse 23, Jesus says, your brother will rise to life. Verse 24, she talks about what she heard. I know she replied, he'll rise to life on the last day. That ain't what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say nothing about no last day. He said, your brother will come back to life. She was still so upset about what she was upset about. She never heard the miracle. Jesus just spoke into the atmosphere. Uh, Martha had, her, had a hard time hearing what Jesus had to say because his timing just seemed to reflect indifference to their plight. We sent word to you four days ago, Lord. That's what was behind her eyeballs when she was talking. We said, where do you four days ago? Now here you come with your words full of compassion, but it's just too late. You know, if she had an Obama translator like Key and Peel, she would have done all, all right. Because really, really, that's what was behind her. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. Really, that's what was behind her eyeballs. Uh, Negro, you should have been here four days ago, but because you didn't, well, I guess the Lord will make a way. Like Martha, the answer to our predicament field family of seeming to wait too long is just remembering who you are. The brother she was grieving for was named Lazarus. Don't y'all miss it, you Bible scholars. Lazarus is a given name and a surname. It comes from the Hebrew Eleazar, meaning God has helped. Some of y'all missed it. It means God has already been done 
You just didn't know it. God has. I wish I could get me some has helped saints to look at your own predicament and understand that while you're grieving, while you're crying, while you're accusing the Lord of indifference, while you're in your feelings hurt because it don't come when you want it, I need some of y'all to know that God has. God, I feel a run in here. God has helped. Somebody who's wrestling with waiting on something important in your life. I dare you to say it. God has helped. Oh yeah, sometimes you got to speak over yourself. Ain't that what the song said? If you're waiting on something that you know ain't come yet, but you know you need it to come, I dare you, even if you got to whisper it, you may not be able to look at your neighbor and say, God has helped. You ought to say it over yourself. God has helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. While, while you've been grieving over dashed hopes, while you've been grieving over lost opportunities, Jesus sends the signal that if you just turned up your hearing aid, you'd realize that just in the way he does things, he has already helped. Daniel, this morning while we were running around trying to make sure that we fixed the problems that, that the situations had presented to us today, what all of us needed to know, we needed to remember. I needed to remember my own sermon and just tell somebody, God has. When you get back in your car on the way home crying because you don't feel like the word had anything in it for you, you need to just look over yourself in the rearview mirror. Just for a minute, you are driving in Charlotte. Look at yourself for a moment in the rearview mirror and say, God has helped. He, he, he told the disciples when he heard the word of Lazarus' sickness, don't miss that word, heard the word of Lazarus' sickness that, that this wasn't going to result in the death of Lazarus. The whole depressing dilemma is not so Lazarus can die. This is what Jesus explains, but it's all designed to give God glory. Can I tell y'all something? The stuff you are suffering through is not so that you will feel pain. It's not to humble you. It's not to check you. It's not so that you will understand your faults and how deficient you are and get yourself right. It ain't about none of that. But whatever you're going through right now is all so God can get some glory. Yeah, he, he ain't using you as a scapegoat to get himself glory. He just intends that whatever you're going through is going to give him glory because he's got it in his hands. He has already helped. In other words, there's, no, there's a method to all of the Lord's madness. There's a wisdom in the Lord's waiting. Just remembering who you are to him. That, that'll help you to realize that there's a plan at work in your pain. And, and your weeping only endures for the night. Ain't that what the book said? I dare you to speak over yourself and to declare there's a plan in my pain. Turn up your hearing aid. Develop, appreciate the discipline of waiting because you understand who you are. When it was known that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, when John made the statement in the text, that alone should have told them he's never going to abandon the ones he loves. How about you? Would you ever abandon the ones you love? We got that much gumption. We've got that much humanity. Listen, when I love somebody, I will die supporting them. When I love somebody, I'll go to the mattresses, as the mob says, for them. When I love somebody, 
somebody, I'm going to make sure that I'd lose something in order to make sure they get something. That's what love does. When it was known that Jesus loved them, and that how many of you think you are more morally superior than Jesus? Jesus is the one who said I, that, that he loved. It was known he loved them because he stood at the grave and he wept. He loved them because even after four days, he came to the grave with hope in his heart. He came to the grave with love in his heart. If you remember who you are, you will know that your worst day is never a moment when the Lord has forsaken you. you you'll learn how to wait if you can get that in your spirit. Listen, you, you can learn how to develop the discipline of waiting if, if you understand who you are. But you can also develop the discipline of waiting if you believe that it's never too late. Watch verse 6. Verse 6 says, yet when he received the news that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. In this story, there's a qualitative difference, y'all, between the hearing of Jesus and the hearing of almost everybody else around him. Y'all know what? In verse 6, when Jesus heard, the text says, that Lazarus was, was sick, instead of clumsily reacting to it like everybody else in the story, Jesus made a strategic decision. Yeah, the text says he stayed. Uh -uh, listen to the word. In English, our language is so limited. He stayed where he was for two more days. The Greek of that word stayed is important here. The verb stayed is from the Greek meno, which really, really means something like, like we used to hear in the old Pentecostal church. It means to tarry. Any Pentecostal folk in the house? Anybody ever been Pentecostal? You ever heard that word tarry? It means to tarry. That's what the Greek here says. Jesus stayed where he was. He didn't just get caught up. He didn't get, just get distracted. He didn't just get forgetful. He stayed. He tarried. Literally tarried where he was for two more days, which means he was not detained. He didn't get sidetracked. The Lord decided to stay put where he was for two more days. In the Pentecostal church, it was known that if you tarried for the spirit you came down it was an intentional act it was a process and protocol of the faithful when you came to the altar to tarry you were tarrying for the Holy Spirit you were waiting for a move of the spirit strategically deciding that you're going to involve yourself in a process that God has already initiated and foreordained that if you waited for the spirit God knows I if you waited for the spirit if you tarried for the spirit if you made up your mind you wanted the spirit the Pentecostal church said then the spirit will come and when the spirit comes then God will do whatever God intends to do Jesus literally tarried he decided to stay put for two more days why is this important it's important because Jesus knew that by the time he got the word Lazarus's illness he was already dead he'd been dead for two days come on you Hebrew scholars by deciding to stay put where he was for two more days it would mean that by the time Jesus would get to Bethany, to Lazarus, Mary and Martha, Lazarus would have been dead for four days. Jews like that of that day, they believed that when a person died their soul stayed with the body for what? Three days. And, and after that 
Everything is lost. Death is final. The deceased would be gone forever. Three days or less, things could turn around. But four days or more, all hope is gone. Jesus knew that his plan could only be understood if he showed up when all other hope was gone. Anybody in this house ever called on the Lord when it looked like there was no way and he made a way anyway? Can I talk to some folk who stood at the grave of some long gone hope and Jesus showed up. The only way to get your hearing aid fixed so you can hear the Lord's voice is to do more than understand that it's never too late. When Jesus is involved, it ain't never too late. Understanding is too cerebral and too deep and too academic. But in order to really hear Jesus, it's imperative y'all to believe that it's never too late. The only person who can ever really hear Jesus is, is the one who's been in the grave of lost dreams and listened for the Lord's voice. Oh, you can't hear. You, some of y'all sitting here today can't even hear what I'm saying because you ain't never sat in the place of lost causes. You ain't never had to preside over dreams that ain't coming true. You ain't never had to let yourself sit in dark places and wait on help that never seems to come. You ain't never felt like there was no way for you to get past where you are. You ain't never had to feel like you've been abandoned by everybody and you were like the slaves used to say way down yonder by yourself and couldn't hear nobody pray. How many know that it is possible to hear but not to listen? It's mighty strange. The only person in this story who actually listens to Jesus is the dead man. Listen. Jesus deeply moved. He went to the tomb, which that was a cave with a stone at the entrance. Jesus said, take the stone away. And Jesus said, and, and, and then Martha, she piped right in. Jesus then said, take the stone away. Now, why are you going to take the stone away if you ain't planning on doing something? You ain't just trying to have a bad smell in your nostrils. If your nose is anything like mine, I can smell bad smells across the street. Jesus said, take the stone away. And here come Martha. Lord, if you take the stone away, it's going to be a bad smell. She's still talking about death. And Jesus had already moved on to life. And she said, Lord, it's going to be a bad smell. He'd been in there for four days. She's a Jew and never thought about the fact that after four days, ain't no use in taking away the stone. If Jesus said, take the stone away in four days, it must mean something is about to go down. But her hearing aid was not working well enough to hear in the subtext what Jesus meant behavior was saying. Jesus said, did not tell you. Don't that sound like your grandmama. Did not tell you. Not that, that. Did not tell you that you'd see God's glory if you just believe. They took the stone away. And Jesus, then he looked up and the hammer went down. He looked up and started talking to his daddy. He said, he, he listened, he wasn't just praying, you know, begging. He said, he started the prayer with, I thank you. Oh, God, I'm leading, leading some disciples to not miss this. He started the prayer with, I thank you. How many of y'all go to begging and start the begging first? Lord, please, please, Lord. I beg you, Lord. Oh, please, Lord. No, Jesus said, I thank you, Lord. I dare some of y'all faith warriors to start the prayer by saying thank you. 
That's proleptic praying. That's praying in the not yet while you're standing in the right now. Jesus said, uh, listen, thank you, Father, that you listen to me. I know you always listen, but I'm saying this for the folks standing around here. And after he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, come out, Lazarus, come out. The old preachers, Pastor Mayfield, used to tell us the reason he had to say it like that because if Jesus didn't say, Lazarus, come out, that would have meant his grandmama would have come out and his great-grandmama would have come out and his ancestors would have come out. Every dead soul in the ground would have gotten up right then. So Jesus had to pinpoint that thing because when the Lord speaks, what he speaks comes into existence. Y'all don't believe me. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Can I fast forward? And the Lord said let there be and there was when Jesus spoke it, he said, Lazarus, come out. And in no time flat, Lazarus came out. The syntax suggests that Lazarus came out quickly. How you going to come out quickly when your hands are tied up, your legs are tied up, your feet are tied up, your head is covered up. Lazarus jumped off that slab and he hopped himself out to the door. Did y'all notice something that is not in the text? It's not in the text that they plugged up their noses and said, ooh, here come Lazarus. Ain't nobody thought about a bad smell once Jesus started working. He came out. Hands and feet wrapped. Jesus said, untie the brother. Let him go. Can I tell y'all, if you just remember who you are in Christ and you just believe that it ain't never too late, you will make sure that you not only hear, but that you also listen. Can I talk to some people? I'm done. I'm done preaching now. Can I just, can I just testify? Listen. I know there are some people in this room. Who are facing some circumstances in your life. you think are hopeless you don't even have to tell me you've been through some times when it seemed like what you needed was never going to come I, I want you to know that with Jesus it's never that's what the four days was about. Jesus was letting disciples in the field know it's never too late. I just want you to bow your heads with me now. Close your eyes if you will. If you faced a situation recently that you don't even understand how God brought it out. You, you saw it happening and you didn't understand what was going on. Can I make it thicker? You wanted one thing, but God did something you didn't even expect. Oh God, I feel a run in here. 
If that's you, if that's been your experience, just slip your hand up wherever you are. Ain't nobody watching. Ain't nobody looking. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. He's done some things for me, y'all. I just don't have time to even tell it all. Came in the moment when I thought it was too late. But here comes Jesus. In his time. Ain't that what Aunt Jane said? He may not come when you want him. But he's always on time. Listen. If you're here today and you have had that experience and you know you need Jesus in your life. You, you've never owned him. You've never confessed him in front of others. Perhaps you have, but you've just been under-churched. What do I mean? You, you've been in a church somewhere. If somebody were to look, they might find your name on a roster. But you ain't been involved. You haven't been on the battlefield for justice. You haven't been letting your hands minister directly to the poor, to hurting women like we do here at the field. You've never had your opportunity to carve a place out with your own hands for those who are homeless like we do here at the field. You've never had your own hands on a box of food that you give to some family that might starve without it like we do here at the field. You've never yourself stood at a bedside of somebody who feels like like giving up if you're here and that's you you know Jesus he's your savior you just been under churched for whatever the reason your life your family your circumstances maybe you've never met him for yourself personally you know about him you've read about him but you haven't really accepted him in your life as head of your life the one who calls the shots in your life if that's you I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. Either you need Jesus in your life, maybe for the first time, or you need a family. You need a church family to grow in. Just slip your hands up wherever you are. Hallelujah. Slip, slip one hand up. Just let me see you where you are. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. All right. Would you raise your heads and help me thank God that there are some folk in this house who need Jesus as Savior and they are aware of it. That's a reason to rejoice right there. Would you just... Now this is not a compulsion, amen? This is, this is not a high pressure tactic. I'm just offering you the opportunity that if you need Jesus in your life or if you need a church family and you'd like it to be the field, you don't have to do anything about that today. I'm not trying to make that happen, but I'm gonna ask this brother Brian, would you come down here, man? I know we talk about, come on, come on this way in the interest of time. We're not supposed to cross over. I know all that protocol. Yes. Sometimes I think we get so caught up on protocol, we don't forgot who to call. 
Amen. Amen. Right here. This brother right here, he's going to meet you at the door to my left and your right. After the worship, would you just go meet him there? He'll make sure that whatever you need, you receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go on over there, Brian, and wait for him, brother. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap offering for his presence. Those of you at home, those we see from Burundi and from Liberia, from Rio, from Indonesia, you can do the same. This call is also for you. There's a place in the chat box where all you need to do is just express your intent. I need Jesus. Or field me, CLT. There's a hashtag. You just put it there and somebody will reach out to you immediately today and make sure that you have a church family. Our digital pastor, Pastor Cobbins, is watching for you right now as we speak. You just do that and we'll make sure that you meet Jesus and that you have a family. You do know you don't have to be a resident of Charlotte, North Carolina to be in the field family. We've got hundreds of people in different places, in different states who are members of the field. We've got deacons in other states. You just come. Let yourself be placed in the hands of Jesus. We're going to leave here now. And as we leave, I'm going to invite everybody to pray right where you are. That this benediction will reach you and all of those in contact with us across the world. I always tell folk at the field when benedictions are giving, sometimes people put up their right hand like they're swearing an oath in court. That ain't what the benediction is. This is about receiving. If you do anything with your hands, do this right here. Receive it. This hand means the biblical symbol of power. I'm invoking God's power on you. Let's receive God's blessing. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. All of God's people said together, Amen. Go in peace. Love on a neighbor as you go. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue to walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the field is not confined by the four walls of the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of this global family, simply click the link.